0: Chapter nine. If you have a Bible with you, Acts chapter nine. I appreciate the invite to come, and then I thank you for the very nice motel room that's been provided for me to stay in. And then I want to say thank you for making me part of your mission program here. Uh, it doesn't happen like it happened most of the time. I I've just met you, preacher, one time in passing down in. Uh, South Georgia, way South Georgia. And then one day he called me up and said, Brother Epps, you might not even remember me, but our church is gonna start helping you and I want you to come by uh, when you can. And uh, here I am, amen, hallelujah. Appreciate the invite. I am nervous, I I preach in prison, I don't get nervous there, I know they're all crooks, but you don't know what you're dealing with in these Baptist churches anyhow. Uh, I'm a member of Faith Baptist Church in White Pine, Tennessee. I got one son, he's my pastor. Been married to the same woman 43 years, just about. And the Lord's been good. He's been so good. And it's a blessing to be here. And uh, I did just get out of prison here in the last couple of days. I preached in prison, had two men that professed to come to know the Lord this past week. and and I've been doing prison work for 30 years. I pastored Baptist church for 10 years or tried to. I give up and went to jail. Hallelujah, amen. They, they don't walk out on you there and you don't have to. Some of y'all need to smile right here. That help me really, really would. It ain't a sin to grin, by the way, amen. I've been around some people that don't like to laugh. I don't hang around them long. I, I can't handle that. I can get depressed. Without any help, can't you? Amen. So I try to have a good time. Anyway, you pray for me as if you was up here in front of all these people. Here in Acts chapter 9, very familiar story here, verse 1. It said, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went into the high priest and desired him letters to Damascus, to the synagogue, and if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it should be told thee what thou must do. When you look over in verse 19 of the same chapter, verse 19, he, he said, And when he had received meat, he was strengthened, then was Saul certain days with the disciples, which were at Damascus, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogue, that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound under the chief priests? But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. And after many day, And after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. But their laying of weight was known of Saul, and they watched the gate day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night, led him down by the wall in a basket. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. But they were all afraid of him, and believed not that he was a disciple. Father, we ask you in Jesus' name. Lord, we do thank you for the privilege of being here Thank you for the wonderful song service and a Sunday school hour and in the presence of the Lord and tender and touching our heart. We thank you Lord for the, your visit. We do pray you'd help me now Lord, not be so nervous and give me liberty in the Holy Ghost to preach and help me just be myself and use me for your glory as you made me and that'll be all right with me Lord if you just touch me afresh in Christ's name. Amen and amen. I have found that out uh, over the years. I'm almost 72 years old. You can't be like everybody else. You just got to get in your own lane and run with it. Amen. So that's what I'm going to do this morning. I know everybody here is familiar with this man named Saul who persecuted and killed Christians uh, he wasted the church beyond measure, being exceedingly more zealous of the traditions of his fathers, he said in the book of Galilee. But when it pleased God, who separated me, my mother's womb and called me by his grace. Uh, we know this man, when early Christians heard his name, it struck them with fear and anxiety, and they hated, hated to see him coming. He killed and persecuted Christians. He stood and to the stone, and consented to the stoning death of Stephen, the great saint, and he was on his way here to get more legal papers to arrest and persecute God's people, and God struck him blind. Amen. Hallelujah. And he got converted. He got converted. Saul became the great apostle Paul. And I know you know all this. I'm just trying to uh, get it going here. If you'll help me a little bit, I sure would appreciate it. Amen. Uh, Amen. And here, I want to use verse 25, and I'm sure you're pastor, and if you're a preacher, you've used this verse. Most people that preach very much have preached from this, but it may have a little different twist to it. It said, then the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket. Uh, this was a full-grown man, so it took more than one man or one person to lower him down. And uh, I want to preach just a few minutes So, good Lord be my helper on who's holding the ropes, who's holding the ropes. Somebody had to be willing to get under the strain. Somebody had to be willing to carry this heavy load or this burden. When you study this, I believe Saul who became Paul was guilty of murder before he got saved. And then in verse four, the Lord said, Saul, Saul, why persecuteth thou me? Well, we know that he didn't persecute the Lord personally, but he's persecuting the Lord's church, his body. And when you read that, it sounds to me like the Lord takes it personal, what we do for the church, what we do in the church, or what we do against the church. People need to be careful about bad-mouthing God's church and God's man, God's keeping the record. Here in these verses, we see here, this man Saul getting converted and becoming the great apostle Paul. No one had ever been saved like this before. And far as we know, no one's ever been saved like this since. Uh, Amen. Uh, And you know, in Acts chapter two, uh, on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 got saved. Every Baptist preacher liked to have that experience. Uh, Amen, a short time later, five more thousand believed was added to the church. Uh, uh, That's 8,000, surely the goodness, uh, we'd make the front page of the sword of the Lord, who cares, Uh, hallelujah, amen. Uh, But the truth of the matter is, uh, this man here, uh, he wasn't in a synagogue, Uh, he wasn't on the church, Uh, he's on a dirty, dusty road uh, on his way to kill and arrest, persecute, God's people and God struck him blind and he got converted. Uh, When you study the book of Acts, uh, the book of Acts is a transitional book, you know, uh, and you need to watch people who form their church doctrine uh, from Acts or Hebrews uh, or the gospels. Most cults of our day uh, love to make their home in this book. Uh, But in spite of all that here in Acts chapter nine, this man who struck fear and anxiety in Christians uh, was known, uh, uh, he caused some to blaspheme. Uh, no doubt they recanted their faith under such persecution uh, and such misery, but who had ever dreamed uh, that this man who wreaked havoc upon God's people uh, would become one of the greatest preachers, uh, that ever lived? Uh, Who had ever dreamed that this man uh, who wreaked havoc upon God's church uh, and struck fear and anxiety in God's people uh, would become one of the greatest missionaries uh, that we've ever read about? Uh, Who had ever dreamed that this man who did such horrible things to God's people uh, would become an apostle? Uh, The Bible said he uh, called some apostles, some prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, uh, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Uh, till we all come to the unity of the faith under the knowledge of the Son of God, under a perfect man, uh, under the measure of the statute, of the fullness of Christ, there will henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro. Uh, care about every, uh, uh, about every wind of doctor, by the slide of men, by the cunning crafter, whereby the lion wait to see, uh, but speaking the truth of love, and grow up in him in all things, which is the head uh, from whom the whole body is fitly drawn together, compacted with joint supply, according to the facts of working, made every part making increase uh, of the body and edify itself in love. Uh, I worked hard on that, to get more than one amen. Hallelujah. Uh, I'm just trying to tell you, he was an apostle. Uh, thank God. Uh, who had ever dreamed that God would call him to be an apostle? Uh, by the way, you know, well, as I do, there's no apostles today, uh, no prophets, that which is perfect has come. Uh, 66 books of this Bible. Uh, and if you save, you got the author, the Holy Ghost living in you. Uh, and he gave us an evangelist pastor teacher, uh, teach us how to rightly put it in the right place to the right people at the right time uh, that we won't be as confused as the termite and the yo-yo in the go-go when we're studying our Bible. Uh, amen. If there is any apostles or prophets today, uh, they're false apostles. Uh, false apostles, uh, most of them's on the 700 Club or TBS. Uh, how am I doing right there? Amen. Uh, amen. You've seen that crowd, no doubt. Uh, amen. They act like God had, had an out-of-body experience. God caught them up into the third heaven. Uh, Jesus put his hand on them, gave them a revelation or, or a prophecy that his Bible didn't back up, uh, sent them back to the earth, and then they'll get on television, uh, have all these people that ain't got nothing no better to do. Uh, amen. Hundreds of thousands of people watching them. Uh, they'll close their eyes and act like they're having some kind of convulsion uh, and say, God's given me a word of knowledge here, uh, God showing me something. There's somebody. Uh, there's a truck driving. This crowd got back trouble. Uh, you can't miss. Every truck driver's got back trouble. Uh, hallelujah. Amen. Uh, well, anyway, that didn't help nobody. Uh, who'd ever dreamed that this man uh, would become one of the greatest church planners uh, that ever lived uh, and write these 13 books uh, of the New Testament Bible? Uh, amen. I'm not smart enough to argue. Some say maybe 14. Uh, I don't know. I'm just trying to preach and I ain't getting no help right here. Uh, I'm just. trying to tell you, thank God, I'm glad he got in, ain't you? I'm glad he got in. When you read this, it shows that God can save anybody, anytime, anywhere, and do whatever he pleases with them. You can't put our God in a box. God doesn't have any any favorites. He can do whatever he wants to with them. I'm glad this man got saved. Well, i to thank God he got saved. he became the apostle to the Gentile world. If you're not a blood-born Orthodox Jew, you're a Gentile, and if you're saved, you're a descendant of this man's ministry. Hey, Amen, I don't have the answer and you don't either, but he said, Lord, what would thou have me to do? What if Paul had not done what God wanted to do? Would you be saved? If you don't do what God wants you to do, does it hinder people from getting saved? Well, sure it does, and I'm sure God could raise Somebody else up and use them, uh, but I'm glad this man got saved. Uh, I'm preaching on who's holding the ropes, uh, and I feel like I got one around my neck right now because I'm so nervous. Uh, amen. Uh, uh, amen. That's exactly right. He said, I've laid a foundation. Uh, another man there upon but let every man take heed how he Harry build it. Uh, For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, uh, which is Jesus Christ. Uh, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, uh, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work should be made manifest. Uh, for the days he declared shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall work what sort it is uh, if any man's work shall abide which he built there he shall receive reward uh, but if any man's work shall be burned he shall suffer Lord, himself be saved yet so as by fire uh, hallelujah uh, I drank one of them energy drinks this morning uh, amen my mouth outrun my brain uh, I'm trying to preach hallelujah uh, if you can't get the Holy Ghost on you drink one of them amen that'll help you uh, hey I'm preaching on who's holding the robes. Uh, uh, he said be not weary and well-doing for in due season uh, you shall reap if you faint not. Uh, You and I are gonna give account uh, at the judgment seat of Christ after the rapture of the church uh, somewhere up there in the heavens not for our sins. Uh, Christ washed all my sins away. Uh, Past, present, possible sins. Uh, He baptized me by the Holy Ghost into the body of Christ. Sealed me under the day of redemption. Clothed me, imputed his righteousness to me. Uh, Amen, I'm on my way to heaven. uh, But I do know that I'm gonna have to give account on how I held my rope. Amen, and you are too. Uh, well, there's some people in the Bible that didn't hold the ropes. Oh, uh, John Mark, he didn't hold the ropes. Uh, and I know Paul re- wrote later in 2 Timothy 4 uh, to bring John Mark for his profitable for the ministry. But before that, he ran out on Paul and Barnabas in the middle of a missionary journey. Uh, amen, I don't know if it's the persecution or the poverty of the ministry they was living in, I don't know, but something caused him to run out on these two men uh, in the middle of a missionary journey. Uh, Paul Paul didn't want anything to do with him, uh, but amen. But they say Barnabas was kin to him, uh, amen. Uh, blood's thicker than water. Uh, don't make no difference what the Bible says, uh, amen. About everybody in our kind of church is kin to one another uh, and the preacher makes one of them mad, the whole family gets mad, uh, amen, isn't that right? Don't make no difference what the Bible said. that's my cousin, preacher, uh, you're picking on there. Uh, but oh, uh, uh, amen, uh, Paul didn't want nothing to do with him uh, and him and Barnabas, uh, they had a little discussion about it. Uh, you say, oh, you know that? they say, the, the Bible said they departed asunder. I have never looked that up, but I know what it means since they got married. It simply means they went out slamming the door. Amen, you, you don't tell her you're mad, you just slam the door and let her know you're mad. Uh, amen, uh, I told my wife, I, I saw him any time when I really wasn't just for I could sleep at night. Uh, hallelujah, they're not gonna admit they've done anything. Uh, and then we promised never to go to bed mad. I stayed up a week in time, but I've kept my end of the deal. Uh, amen, it's worked for 43 years, amen. Uh, how am I doing right to uh, Hey, I might've picked the wrong mission, but I'm too far into it to back out now. Uh, I'm just trying to tell you, Amen. John Mark, he turned the ropes loose. Oh uh, Demas, he turned the ropes loose. Uh, Paul called Demas a fellow laborer in the book of Philemon. Oh uh, Demas run around one of the greatest preachers ever lived. Uh, he'd be there on Sunday morning. He'd be back on Sunday night. He'd be back on Wednesday night. Uh, he had no trouble tithing after he's uh, properly instructed from God's word. Uh, uh, amen. Giving 10%, at least 10% of his gross income. Uh, that's not where we stop. That's where we start. Uh, amen. He had no trouble with that. Uh, if you was building a building and need extra money, he'd dig a little deeper. Uh, hey man, if you was down in the mud with a magic and a shovel, he'd get one, get in there with you. Uh, he was a fellow laborer. Uh, but Paul writing about him in 2 Timothy 4.10, he said, Demas has forsaken me, have loved this present world uh, and has departed under Thessalonica. Uh, I don't know what happened to him. I believe he was a saved man uh, and I believe we'll see him at the judgment seat. Uh, hey Amen. Uh, uh, hey Amen. Uh, James said, let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God for God cannot be tempted. He will, neither tempt any man, but every man is tempted, draw the way of his own lust and entice. When lust conceived, bring forth sin, sin when it's finished, bring forth death. Uh, we can't even blame, you can't even blame the devil uh, when you get out of church and turn your back on the Lord uh, and God's people. Uh, it's just our wicked flesh. Uh, Satan can only put the bait out there. Uh, we have the right or the power to say yes or no to that temptation. Uh, we can't even blame him doing it. Amen. Uh, oh, demons turn the ropes loose. Uh, oh, Gehazi over in 2 Kings chapter. Five, uh, he turned the ropes loose. Uh, amen. a uh, boss, I could call him his boss, uh, was Elisha, a great prophet. Uh, o uh, Gehazi had all kinds of potential to run around with the right kind of people. Uh, y'all know the story about naming the leopard. Uh, he was a mighty man of valor, uh, a, 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 a great man, but he was a leopard. Uh, amen. Uh, and then the Bible said, you know, leprosy is a type or a picture of our sinful nature. Uh, it's sure death outside a miracle from God. God. Uh, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, and uh, on Naaman, uh, uh, he'd taken this little Jewish maid captive, uh, the Syrian army had, and placed her in Naaman's home. Uh, she was a slave there in Naaman's home, uh, and she waited on Naaman's wife. Uh, yeah, amen. She wasn't complaining about her lot in life like we do uh, when things ain't going well. Uh, amen. She took an opportunity uh, to try to bring glory to God. Uh, uh, she saw Naaman's wife weeping. No doubt his name would come and go at a distance. uh, And that disease destroyed him. Uh, And she said if you get him down, uh, get him down to the prophet's house. Uh, She had confidence in the preacher. Uh, Amen. Got to watch bad mouthing the preacher in front of young'uns and wonder why they turn out to be rebels later on. Uh, Amen. But she had confidence in the preacher. Uh, uh, Amen. You know what she was doing? Uh, She's just holding the rope. Uh, She was in that predicament. Uh, Amen. She had compassion on this sinner. Amen. this leopard, and she said, If you could just get him down to the prophet's house. Well, you know the story how they got a letter from the king and the king rent his clothes. Hey, Amen. In other words, the government's not the answer, especially this idiot we got running right now. Hallelujah. I, I thought I'd get that gouge in there. Amen. I, I felt a little riff. There must be a liberal in the crowd. Uh, amen. If you voted that way, don't shake my hand. My life's aggravating enough. Uh, amen. But truth of the matter is, uh, hey, uh, uh, hey, man, that went over real big. I had a tender moment right there. Uh, oh, Gehazi. Uh, uh, but you know, Naaman finally got his entourage uh, pulled up in front of Elisha's house. Uh, amen. With that pomp and all that wealth. Uh, he thought Elisha would come out and slap his hands over over him uh, like these TV shops do, Uh, amen. They've been around for thousands of years, Uh, amen. Uh, But he didn't even go out. Uh, He sent his servant Gehazi out. Uh, He said, you go out there and tell him to dip seven times in the Jordan River. Uh, And my own way of looking at that, uh, he kind of said, you go out there and tell that rich leopard what we've been telling all these poor leopards. Uh, Don't make no difference what side of the tracks you're born on, Uh, if you drink your booze out of a martini glass at the country club uh, or a brown paper bag up under a bridge, you're just a dirty, filthy sinner, Uh, amen. Same message. Uh, Don't make no difference what crowd you come from. Uh, You know old Naaman got mad at the man of God. Uh, I wouldn't give you a nickel for a preacher don't make somebody mad. Uh, Every now and then I try to do that on a day by day basis. Uh, Hey man, and then he didn't like the method. Uh, He said, what about these two rivers where I live? Uh, You gotta come God's way. Uh, Hey man, you ain't getting in if you don't come God's way. Uh, You know, and finally his own people gouged him a little bit. Uh, They said, hey, uh, he he, he didn't have to have a lot of faith. Uh, What they were really saying, uh, hey, what?" Well, you got to lose, man. Uh, why don't you try it? You're gonna die. Uh, amen. And he went over and dipped seven times in the Jordan River. Uh, and when he come up that time, uh, his flesh was like that of a newborn baby. All uh, oh, the leprosy was gone. Uh, amen. That's what God does when he saves you. Uh, he makes you a brand new uh, baby in the Lord. Uh, and old Naaman wanted to pay uh, Elisha for the miracle that God had performed uh, and he wouldn't take no money. Uh, but Gehi, Gehazi is a type of one of these TV preachers. Uh, Naming, claiming prosperity. You send me ten dollars. God will bless you with a hundred. Uh, amen. If you ain't got no money, send it on the credit card. Uh, amen. That's not faith. That's stupid. Twenty-seven uh, percent interest, uh, compounded interest. Uh, amen. I'm telling you, you, ain't got good sense uh, if you do something like that. Uh, well, I had another tender moment here. Amen. Uh, I'm trying to preach. Amen. Uh, uh, amen. But the truth of the matter is, uh, you know what happened to him? He lied. Uh, amen. For the for the money and the gold and the garments, and he got struck by leprosy. Uh, Amen. Well, he turned the ropes loose. Uh, Oh, Samson, he turned the ropes loose. Uh, And I like Samson. I know he got fouled up, uh, but you gotta admit, when the Spirit of God would come upon him, uh, he took the jawbone of an ass and killed a thousand Philistines. Uh, I used to say Muslim, but that'll get you in trouble. Uh, Amen. That's what they'd be today. Uh, Amen. I'm telling you what, he was one bad dude. Uh, He didn't have no trouble dealing with them Philistines, uh, but he had a lot of trouble dealing with his flesh. Uh, He had a lot of trouble looking at uh, uh, wicked women uh, and lusting after worldly women, uh, Amen. And you know the story: uh, how he laid his head in Delilah's lap. Uh, Delilah is a type or a picture of the world. Uh, love not the world, neither the things in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Uh, all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Uh, and the world pass away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Uh, Delilah is a picture of the world. Uh, amen. We get to laying our head in. Delilah. Delilah's lap or the world's lap, we're going to end up like Samson. Uh, amen. Samson had a Nazarite vow. Uh, he wasn't supposed to cut his hair. Uh, it had something to do with his appearance. Uh, he wasn't supposed to drink no strong drink. had something to do with his appetite. Uh, and he wasn't supposed to touch no dead thing. Uh, it had something to do who he associated with. Uh, he broke all three of them cardinal rules. Uh, you know before Samson got in trouble with Delilah uh, when he'd walked by, everybody knew he was God's man because uh, he had that long hair, uh, which was a mark of separation that identified him as God's man. Uh, But when he lost that mark of separation, uh, he lost the power of God, uh, ended up down there uh, with them Philistines, uh, poked his eyes out, uh, made sport of him. Uh, Amen. Uh, By the way, uh, our mark of separation uh, is where the power of God's at in our lives. Uh, Amen. Folks, uh, expect more out of us than they do anybody else. Uh, Am I doing any good right here? Uh, Well, old Samson, he turned the ropes loose. Uh, uh, But there's some in the Bible that didn't turn the ropes loose. Uh, Oh, Joshua, uh, he said, for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. Uh, Oh, Caleb, uh, 80 some years old, said, give me this mountain. Uh, Stephen, as they were stoning him to death. uh, Amen. Uh, There weren't little bitty pebbles they were throwing at him. Uh, There was big boulders, uh, uh, rocks they were hitting him with. Uh, And he looked up and saw the glory uh, of God, Jesus, standing at the right hand of the throne of God. Uh, He said, lay not this charge against him. Uh, And he went to sleep and gave up the ghost. I'm telling you, neighbor, he held the ropes. Joseph, over in the Old Testament Bible, his brothers hated him. They throwed him in a pit. Amen. He ended up in Pontifer's house. Falsely accused of attempted rape. Ended up in the prison. But after it was all over, he held the ropes. And he ended up in the palace. Amen. Took a long time to get from the pit to the palace. He just held on. He knew God was going to exalt him in due time. Hey, Paul, he said, I fought a good fight, finished the course, kept the faith forth they laid up for me a crown right which the Lord the righteous judge. Uh, give me in that day not to me only but also in all them that love is appearing. Uh, hey, He wrote that right before they cut his head off. Uh, I don't think he had to force him down. Uh, I believe he laid down and said get on with it boys. Uh, I'm headed to the house. Uh, hallelujah. Amen. Uh, Jesus hanging on the cross. Uh, they spit on him. Uh, plucked his beard. Plowed his back. Uh, amen. Put a crown of thorns upon him. Uh, he looked out that crowd. Uh, he said Father forgive them uh, for they Know not what they do. He could have called 10,000 of angels and they could have rescued him. He is God if he wanted to change his mind. But he went all the way. Thank God for a Savior. And held the rope all the way for you and I. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm preaching on who's holding the ropes. Uh, why should we hold the ropes? Uh, well, these men. Uh, it was nighttime, uh, and they lowered this man down uh, in a basket. Uh, hey, the Jews were looking to kill Paul, uh, and anybody caught uh, helping this man uh, was going to be killed. Uh, they weren't going on a Sunday afternoon picnic with the family. Uh, they were putting their life on the line uh, for this man. Uh, they did not know. Uh, they, as far as they concerned, uh, this wasn't Paul, the uh, the apostle. Uh, this this wasn't Paul the missionary. This wasn't Paul the Bible writer. This wasn't Paul the church planner. They weren't even sure he was a saved man. They were afraid of him. Amen. But hey, they were just doing what they're supposed to do when God put it in their heart to do it. Hey, listen, neighbor. I'm telling you, neighbor, you got to be careful how you criticize young Christians. Some of you have had the privilege to be raised in church. You've been taught right down the line from the get go and when you get saved you take off running but other uh, never been around church. Uh, been out here in the street uh, shooting dope and snorting dope and living filthy and ungodly. Uh, they don't know anything about it. Uh, and when they first get saved, uh, give them a little chance to get on their feet. Uh, amen, don't count them out. Uh, don't count them out because they stumble and fall. Uh, amen, a few times. Uh, I'm telling you, neighbor, give them a time. Uh, they're just babies feeding on the milk. Uh, they don't know how to feed themselves. Uh, don't count them out. Uh, it may take them a little time, uh, but you don't know what God does do with them. Hey, hey, hey. You don't know what God might do with them. Amen. Amen. Am I doing any good here? Amen. Uh, I don't know if I am or not. That's just a filler. I say that because I don't know what else to say right there. Y'all look at this crowd trying to say something. Makes sense. Amen. Uh, Hallelujah. Uh, Amen. Uh, uh, Who's holding the ropes? Uh, uh, Why should we hold the ropes? Uh, Somebody held the ropes for you. (laughs) Amen. Amen. They used to get me to go to church uh, when I was lost and Amen. They didn't ask me to give no money to nothing. They didn't ask me to help pay the mortgage. They didn't ask me to clean the church. They didn't ask me to mow the lawn. They didn't ask me to go visit with them. They didn't expect nothing out of me. They just had me on the end of the rope. Had me in their basket. (laughs) I'm glad somebody held the rope for me. I'm glad somebody was willing to get under the burden the heavy load. Before I ever got saved, there was no Christians in our home, just a bunch of drunks and drug addicts and cussing sinners. That's just the way sinners are. Sinners of sin. Some express their sinful nature openly and more vulgar than others, but all have sinned. And I'm not uh, disrespecting my mom and dad, but they had a serious drinking problem. My grandpa and grandma I lived with them a lot. They had a serious drinking problem. They made moonshine liquor, sold moonshine liquor, amen. And uh, when my grandpa get drunk on that moonshine, uh, he a very violent man. And uh, when I was 14 year old, my grandpa in a drunken rage on moonshine liquor one day, I was just a little old lost boy uh, with a chip on my shoulder, bitterness in my heart. I sashed him, he'd done beat my grandmother up. She drank that liquor to put up with him and, and she'd get drunk and, and then he beat her up while he's in that drunken rage and, and he was a very violent man. He'd been shot in the face, had just one eye and he had a gold-plated tooth, solid gold-plated tooth. I, I always think about that. I made the mistake one day, I was 14 year old, an uh, assassin, my grandpa, talking back to him. And I used some cuss words. And before that day was over, he shot me with a 12-gauge shotgun and left me laying in a patch of woods up behind his house. And uh, I never did sash him again. <laughs> That's a little much, but that broke me right there, amen. But uh, trying to get to where I'm going here with this and I'll be done. As a fella that lived out the road from my grandpa when the roads were gravel back in the 50s and early 60s, he was a holy man. Preacher Faye and he was a holy man. He wasn't a Pharisee. He didn't stick his finger in your face and put you down. He was a holy man. He had eight young'uns, living in a log house right out the road from us. Eight young'uns, had a little girl crippled from birth, muscle disease, and she died when she was 44 years old. She wore diapers until she was 44 years old. And uh, preacher man, and uh, he loved me, cared for me. He wouldn't let his kids come out and stay all night at my house. I didn't understand that then, the boys were my buddies. But I do now, he just didn't want his youngers around that kind of atmosphere and that foolish wickedness. But he'd come to my house when I was a boy and uh, blow the horn at my grandma's and say, hey David, why don't you come out here and spend the night with a boy? We're gonna cut some watermelon and cantaloupe and make some homemade ice cream. Why don't you come out here and stay all night? Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Said so he put them melons and that ice cream on the hook. <laughs> And we go out there and crank that ice cream maker. And they have prayer meeting back then in the yard. And they buried their dead, brought them home to view them back in those days. And he he was a hacking preacher. He'd hold his ear and he'd hack. And he prayed the same way. Folks would come in to eat them melons. He grew them on his little old farm there. And they sold his farm Uh, a couple years ago, his wife passed away. Anyway. I'm about to get sidetracked here. Every time I go by there, I think about him. <laughs> all the time, when they'd have them prayer meetings, me and his boy would be playing in the yard. I was just a little boy. God was using preacher man to sow the seed of God's word in my heart when it was tender. He had me on the end of his rope. I'd stay all night out there. And, uh, he had feather mattresses and feather pillows and, in the morning, I'd hear him. He didn't pray for me to hear him. He'd go milk his cows and slop the hogs and feed the chickens. You could hear him out the barn. And uh, he prayed like he preached. He'd get to hacking and spitting about daylight, a little past daylight. He wasn't praying for me to hear him, but I could kind of tell when he broke through the clouds. And I'd hear him call my name. Hey, Lord, that little old Epsomore, he don't have a chance. If you don't move on his heart and turn the light on, he don't have a chance. He called my grandparents' names out and other people in the neighborhood and family members. He'd load me up sometimes in his car with his whole family and he'd preach in these little country churches, most of them little general judgment, Baptist churches back in the holler. they'd have church in them places, maybe once or twice a month. And he'd preach in them and, and I'd go with him. He put up with my mouth. And, and when I get around him, though, he was a holy man. I didn't use no dirty talk around him. There's something about his presence even the little sinner boy know there's something about his presence. He had something. And he'd get to preaching and, and going up and down the aisle of that little church. There'd be about 15, 20 people there. And he'd come by and put his hand on my shoulders, a boy. And he said, hey, David, why don't you come up here and let the Lord save you? It embarrassed me then, but it, don't, it wouldn't embarrass me today. I'm talking about somebody held the ropes. I was telling you about my grandpa when he shot me. And, uh, wasn't long after that old preacher man had been praying for them. And not long after I, uh, that old man shot me, him and my grandma went to Fairview Bible Baptist Church uh, there in town. When he come home that day, they threw throw the liquor out the door. Put the shotguns up in the closet. Started going to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Something happened to him there. <laughs> hey, something happened to him down there. And it was obvious something had happened to him. My grandma, she couldn't read or write. She was illiterate. She didn't know how to drive. She was backward. The white headed woman. You couldn't impress her with a lot of Hebrew and Greek. Some of these guys act like if you don't know Hebrew and Greek, people like her couldn't even get saved. How am I doing right there? That here a little snag on that and amen. I, I'm not against studying the word and searching words out, but Amen. God made it pretty simple in here about about some things, amen. My mom, she loved me. I grew up and become a, and God knows I'm not bragging on sin, but i become a a drug addict in the late 60s, early 70s. And got strung out bad. And if it hadn't been for them, I would have no place to sleep. A lot of times they put me up and, give me something to eat and a place to sleep, keep me from sleeping in the ditch somewhere, a mission house. My ma didn't know how to read the Bible, but she met the God of the Bible. And uh, anytime my ma, when she was a a little old girl in the early 1900s, she she drove herds of turkey across Clinch Mountain, which is 25, 30 miles to Morristown, to the market. She's a little backward mountain woman, but she'd gotten saved down there at that church. Quit drinking that liquor. And she taught me into going to church at Christmas. I wore bell-bottom breeches and patches on them. <laughs> a T-shirt with a peace sign on it. Me, Nixon, and the Pope, you know, stupid. <laughs> what an idiot, amen, amen. Hair down here, crazy, but she loved me. I said, Mo ain't got nothing to wear. She says, it's Christmas, boy, go to meet with. I said, I ain't got nothing to wear, Mo." She said, I'll buy you a new shirt, new pair of breeches. They didn't care what I had on down there. But she thought if that's the only thing keeping you from getting saved, I'll, I'll cut you off of the past. I believe in the virgin birth before I got saved. Am I doing any good here? And then she taught me into going at Easter. I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Historical facts. I believe that. I don't believe that no more now than I did when I was lost. I know the meaning of it now. Amen. And same story. Didn't they have homecoming, you know, fried chicken, tater salad pies and cake. Even a drunk would go for a free meal. Isn't that right? Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fish men. So they put a chicken wing on the hook. Hallelujah. I'd right. go down there to eat that chicken and pies and cake. Before you got to eat that chicken though, that preacher would hang you out over hell for about 45 minutes. Make you feel like a sheep killing dog. Amen. When he got done preaching, I didn't want no chicken. I wanted other. Amen. Faith come to hear it. She knew that. Faith come to hear it and hear it by the word of God. Am I doing any good right here? <laughs> And I believe you got to get convicted before you get converted. And, um, you know, before you get under conviction, if you're like me, before I got under conviction, I really didn't want nobody to bother me about this religious business. I said, that's fine. I'm glad you got something. That's wonderful. But I'm doing my own thing. And you leave me alone. I'll leave you alone. That kind of attitude. But uh, my mom got me under the word of God and preacher man and people like that, that God started convicting me about the wickedness in my life. And when you get under conviction, you know before you get under conviction, in my case, I didn't want to bother me. But after you get under conviction, it got to bother me when they weren't bothering me. That makes sense. I said, Ma, how come you quit bothering me so much about church and always on me about that? She said, Well, you talks so bad about everybody down there say they're just a bunch of hypocrites, and all that preacher wants your money. I just got them all praying for you now. Out <laughs> of work, amen. You get two hundred plus people praying for you, something's gonna happen to you, amen. And uh, hey, it wasn't Christmas, wasn't Easter, wasn't homecoming. I got up one Sunday morning, been out drunk all night, doped up all night. I was 24 years old almost. And this strange, overpowering desire to go to church with my ma and pa. I said, Ma, I believe I go to a meeting with you today, she lit up like a lamp. My grandpa was never kind of the guy that would show much emotion, but when he did, that gold tooth he had would shine in the light. And that morning it was shining real bright. I didn't get saved that day, but first time I'd ever been to church in my life where I hated to see the meeting over, 1974, amen. And people were getting saved, getting right, having a big time. And uh, I sat there weeping and fought that off. And I was going out the door at the end of the church service. My cousin, she just got right with God. She said, David, she's weeping. Would you come back sometime? You know how you say, well, maybe I will. You don't know whether you will. But all week long, I'm going to hang around the house and stay away from that booze and stay away from that dope. And boy, I struggled. I struggled. I had bad shape. And all week, I'd hung around there. They just wondered what's wrong with me. And I just hung around. And this old boy just come home from Vietnam, a better man than I've ever been. Put up in front of my house, and wore de- decorated hero from the war had a new Corvette and he pulled up in front of my house, said, hey, yes, let's go. And I loaded up like a sheep to the slaughter, like I'd always done uh, on Saturday night. And we went out and did what we did, wickedness we did, and come staggering in about three o'clock in the morning. Wasn't long after that somebody beat him to death and throwed him in the river. He was a better man than I've ever been, but he was a lost man. 7 o'clock on Sunday morning, 1974, the month of November. My grandma pecked on my bedroom door. She said, hey boy, you go to meeting with me today? I said, ma, I can't go today, I'm too sick. And I got up, went across town to housing project apartment where I knew I could get some dope to get over the shakes. These two old boys sold drugs. And I went over there and I was in that dope house. Why God came over and got me and didn't bother them, I can't explain that to you. But in my mind, I was sitting there trying to get stoned and get over the shakes, and the Holy Ghost, I know him now. I know him now, but he is talking to me. In my mind, in my mind, somebody was talking to me. Said, Won't you put the dope down, David? Put the booze down right now. If you leave right now, you'll get to church over there before the service is over. That's not normal thinking for a dope shooting, dope snorting fool. God the Holy Ghost come over there in that dope house. Amen, I struggled with that for a little while. And finally, I surrendered about 20 minutes after 11. I turned around, them old boys I run with, I said, I see you fellas. They said, where are you going Epps? I said, I'm going to church. They said, why? I said, I don't know why. They said, you must be stoned. I thought to myself, stoned, drunk, or crazy. I'm sick of all this, amen. I didn't go to get saved. I didn't, know what I, was, I didn't know why I was wanting to do that. I didn't understand what was going on. And I pulled in that church parking lot, weeping like a baby, amen. Walked in that church at 1130, singing was over 200, 250 people, 500 eyeballs. See, like kids all looking at me and I could hear him saying, he's back, he's back, he's back. Uh, <laughs> Hallelujah, I'm glad I got back, amen. Uh, I sat down next to my grandpa, he was weeping, uh, at tooth was a shadow and my grandma lit up like a lamb. He patted me on the knee, he said, boy you, we're so glad you're here. I said I'm glad I'm here. Uh, Preacher Winston got done preaching. Uh, uh, he said with anybody, uh, they didn't have to sing three sad songs by the Do Right Quartet. I got up out of my seat. Uh, I got saved actually sitting in that pew. Uh, amen. And I slid in on an altar, uh, about 40 people praying around me. They didn't stick 45 Bible verses under my nose trying to explain the book of Daniel and the revelation to me, what would that mean to me? Uh, somebody said, you prayed the sinner's prayer? I guess I did, every prayer I ever prayed was a sinner's prayer. Uh, did you come down the Romans road? No, I drove down Marguerite Drive. Uh, amen, uh, I knew I was a sinner, I knew he was a savior. I was sick of my sin, God save me right there. I've been on my way to heaven, hallelujah. When I got up off my knees, my little old grandma was a doing that. I believe she's a doing that. Yeah. Preacher Winston said, would, would you like to say something, David? I said, I've never felt such peace in all my life. <laughs> I'm glad somebody had me in their basket. I'm glad somebody cared to get me on the end of their rope. Yeah, there's a whole lot more. My ma, she lived to be a, 93. My pa died. Pretty much, she'd become a prisoner in her own home. She couldn't drive, couldn't read or write. She was illiterate. She wasn't ignorant. She was illiterate. She had a lot of money. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'd rather have money as I IQ anytime, wouldn't you? Amen. <laughs> I remember my ma, she took care of herself pretty much and, uh, until she, just a few days before she died and she had a stroke. Before that, she walked like this. She had that stroke. They had her in the hospital. Had her tied. she was delirious. They had her tied to the bed, her feet and hands. And uh, they give her some medicine and it backfired on her. It made her even worse. And me and my wife went in there at night and I reached down there and got her by the knee and I said, Ma, you know who this is? She raised up the bed. She said, yeah, that's you, David you'll take me home, won't you? And just a little while later, the good Lord took her home. (laughs) I get to thinking about her and uh, I'm probably off track here. You may not agree, but you know, at the great white throne, I mean, not the great white throne, but the judgment seat of Christ, where all the saved people are gonna give account on how we held our rope. Multiple millions of people, multiple millions gathered. Amen. And the Lord on his throne somewhere up there in the heavens in the presence of God. And the Lord sitting on his throne with all that glory. Amen. Saying, uh, Abraham, would you step forward, please? Abraham, I see here where you uh, was actually going to slay your own son, sacrifice your own son, Isaac. Because I told you to and you believed I'd resurrect him. Great shall be thy reward. Moses, would you step forward, please? I see here, Moses, uh, will you put up with two to three million murmuring, complaining, backslid people? Must have been Baptist folks. Great shall be thy reward. Now, if you don't think I got this right, don't confront me afterward. I don't like criticism, constructive or critical. Keep it to yourself. I I can't take either one of them. Elijah, would you step forward, please? I see here where you prayed fire down out of heaven. You had enough faith. And you killed all them prophets of Baal. <laughs> That's my kind of Christianity right there. Great shall be thy reward. And on down through all them Old Testament saints. Then you come to New Testament saints. Simon Peter, would you step forward, please? I'm talking about multiple millions and millions and millions and millions. Would you step forward, please? I see here where they say you was crucified upside down because you felt unworthy to be crucified like the Lord. Great shall be thy reward. Apostle Paul, would you step forward, please? I see where you fought a good fight, finished the course, kept your faith. Here's that crown that I promise you, great shall be thy reward. And you could go through a whole list. And then I could see him say, Myrtle Jefferson, Myrtle, Myrtle, I know you're here. Step on out there, Myrtle, you don't have to, Raise your head up, Myrtle. You don't have to be ashamed. Come on up here, Myrtle. Myrtle, raise your head up. I'm not angry with you, Myrtle. You did what I wanted you to do. That's my mom's name, Myrtle. Myrtle, I see here where you was in fifty penitentiaries one year. Oh no, oh Lord i 've never done anything, and for you, the only time I ever was in jail for anything was to go down there and sign my grandson 's bond to get him out of jail and I was always real embarrassed because I had the chicken scratch in my my name i didn 't know how to write, and all them big, bigwig people watched me, and I was always embarrassed that 's the only time I ever been in jail orders to get that boy, that grandson, that one that nobody else cared about. Everybody else said I was wasting my time. You're never gonna do nothing. Myrtle, I see here where you was in Mexico one time, one year. Three different prisons in Mexico, and you couldn't even speak Spanish. <laughs> and you was trying to tell them Mexicans in that prison. And, oh no, Lord, I don't even know where that's at. I couldn't drive. I've never been, I didn't, since my man died, I wouldn't hardly ever never got out of the county. I see here where Myrtle, you was over at Concord Baptist Church. On a Sunday morning, preaching. Oh, no, Lord, I don't believe in women preachers. You get the point? Wherever your grandson went, all I expected you to do, Myrtle, is hold that rope. Have him in your basket. I had something planned for him. And you played a vital part in getting that done. Great. Myrtle, great should be thy reward. And I'll tell you this, my dad was a World War II veteran. And I know I'm just talking, I'm not doing much preaching here. My dad was uh, four years in the Navy during the war. Joined the Army Air Corps after that, which is Air Force. My dad was as w- wicked of a sinner outwardly as a man could express his sinful nature. My dad was tough as shoe leathers. And my dad uh, had a drinking problem. And my, my mother busted up with us kids and my dad had a stroke when he's in the early fifties, paralyzed him on one side really bad and made him a very bitter man. My brother was a drunk, my sister was, and my other brother lived way off and I had to take care of him and I just got married. And uh, you'd had to know my dad, that he was so uh, hard to deal with and I had to put him in a nursing home there in town. And I felt a lot of guilt for that, but. You just had to know the whole situation. And I'd go to the nursing home three or four times a week to make sure he had everything he needed and make sure they weren't mistreating him. And I'd try to tell my dad about Jesus, what the Lord done for him. And my dad, he knew a lot of bad stuff about me when I was out in the world and he'd throw that up in my face and humiliate me. He, He had a way to cut you to the bone with words. And uh, I'd write him letters, notes, and tell him what it meant to be saved and stick him in his bed where he'd see him when he came come back would wad him up and throw it in the trash. He said, boy, I don't know what you got, but if I ever get what you say you got, I'll do better with it than you've ever done. Stuff like that. Beat you down, beat you down. I'm trying to shut up, Preacher, I really am. My, my brother come along and sobered him up. My brother and his wife uh, got him out. I was again that, but it worked out all right. And, my dad was 73 years old. Been in a wheelchair and bad pretty much all that time. Bitter man. And I went over to visit. Me and my wife went over to my brothers to visit my dad and, and the Holy Spirit. I gave up on my dad because he was, I just figured, hey, but the Holy Ghost. Tell him one more time. You'd had to know my dad. It, it was a difficult thing. I expect him to really lay me in the dust. And I told everybody to leave the room. I'm talking about holding the ropes. And my dad was sitting in a wheelchair. His, 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 uh, he was as white as that dear lady's sweater right there. Pale, skin and bones, crippled all up. Dying, slowly dying. And I said, Dad, I'm gonna tell you one more time and I'll never bother you again. This time he didn't say a word, he hung his head. I said, you've lived like a fool. You let the world, the flesh and the devil put you in this wheelchair. And it looks to me like you're gonna let him drag you out of this wheelchair and drag you off into hell. But Jesus died for you, Dad. He'll forgive you of for all your wickedness if you'll let him. If you'll let him. I didn't ask him to pray a prayer, say a verse. I fell down on my knees in front of his wheelchair. And I said, God, please, please don't let my dad die and go to hell. Please save my dad. Please show my dad what you showed me. And after I got that, I left. And I thought I'd wasted my breath. Three days later, my wife called me. I had been out of town preaching, it was a Sunday. She was weeping and rejoicing. She said, guess who rolled in here this morning and got saved, your dad rolled in here in his wheelchair this morning, weeping like a baby. Rolled down the aisle of the church, got marvelously saved. Hey, don't give up till they quit breathing. Amen, don't give up. Amen, I watched my dad, he lived the best he could for God and his condition for three years. I watched him breathe his last breath in the back of an ambulance, the little heart monitor shut down. He's not in a wheelchair today. He's over there in glory having a time. He got in at the last little while, when he got in. Holding the ropes, I'm done, preacher. I don't